Upon further review. Upon further review. Welcome to Upon Further Review, your weekly uptake of hot topics across the National Hockey League, powered by your hosts, Angelo Ricci and Stefan Bianchi. So over your Christmas break, did you have a chance to watch any new shows on Netflix or something? You know, I finished Stranger Things, actually, if that is really what you're trying to get at. If you were like an update, I did finish Stranger Things. There was another show I was looking at. I was wondering if you watched this. It's called The Bedard Show. Oh, yeah, I I did. I did watch that. It was better than Stranger Things, I will say. Yeah, that guy is like one of the craziest prospects I have ever seen in my life. Yeah, without a doubt, I I can't, I don't like, not not that I can't remember. I just don't think I've ever seen a 17-year-old dominate the World Juniors the way he did. Mm-hmm. And just overall, that was one of the better world juniors I remember in, in recent years. And I'm partially saying that because Canada won. Obviously, that helps being Canadian. But even still, it was it was just an insane tournament. Like So many upsets, so many high-scoring games. It was excitement all around for two weeks. Yeah, I mean, what he did in the world juniors was 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 crazy he dominated it when he was 16 now he dominated it when he was 17 again i think in last year i mean in december he had eight points in seven games and this year he had 23 points in seven games with nine goals and a plus minus of 14 like insane yeah. and he might be i guess all of these canadians are the first canadians in world junior history to win two gold medals in the span of what like seven months or Five, something six like months, that yeah yeah it, it was insane. i have a question for you actually wait before i do that i want to talk a little bit about this the last 16 year olds to suit up for canada at the World Juniors, can you name who who they are? Can you name like the last three? 16-year-olds? Yeah, like to get super exemption status like that. I would imagine McDavid did it a few years ago. Yeah, Connor was one of them. And before Connor, who was the next guy? Like the only other guy I could think of on that level. I don't know if he was, I mean, maybe Sid. Sid yeah. maybe. It was Sid. In 2004, Sid did it. And I think Connor did it in 2015. So Connor Bedard puts himself in an echelon pre Pre NHL sure. with Sidney Crosby and Connor Bedard, he's only the eighth player ever to do it. I think you said off air that maybe Jason Spezza did it as well a while back. I know he was granted special exemption mm-hmm. um, to the OHL. I, I'm assuming he played World Juniors, but I don't know if he was like 16 years old playing in the World Juniors. That's I don't, can't remember, but I have a okay. Fill in the blank for me. Connor Bedard is the best prospect since blank. I would say since McDavid. Yeah. Okay. Talk about it. Why? Um. He's the last person I remember being hyped when he was still playing in like minor hockey. Mm-hmm. I, think I heard about Bedard for the first time when he was 13 or 14. I was like, okay, this guy's 13 or 14, putting up huge numbers in minor hockey. But we see that all the time. So it's you just like you look at it and it's like, okay, well, this guy's obviously really good, but we'll see what happens. And then comes into the WHL as a 15 year old. He's putting up close to a point a game, I think. And now, and then like, Fast forward now to his draft year. He he's only gone two games all season where he hasn't put up a point. The yeah. first game of the season and then the, the World Junior Finals. He's, he's on a different level, and he outperformed McDavid in the World Juniors. I know you want to talk about that a little bit. Um, he's clearly lived up to the hype, and I I don't see any reason for him to not live up to the hype at the NHL level. Yeah, and not even that. Like he seems to have a crazy level of maturity for a seventeen-year-old. You see that yeah. interview he had at the end of the he, game. He definitely is a little bit of media training. Yes. I mean, he's, he's he's 17, but it was cool to see him say, you know, I'm not talking about myself. Let's focus on the team. That's pretty 
pretty good level of self-awareness for a 17 year old i think he's an 05 that means he's seven years older than us that's younger crazy that is nuts which is pretty insane to see but anyways i'm gonna give a take that i think is a little bit hot but it shouldn't okay. be that hot i don't think that Connor bedard is the best prospect since mcdavid i think he's the best prospect since Sidney crosby i think he's a better prospect than Connor mcdavid okay okay and remember why is that like you cannot let how mcdavid transpired in the nhl to bias or influence sure this is pure pre-nhl yes. numbers and we're comparing Connor McDavid to um, Connor Bedard before they were drafted into the okay. NHL. And I think there's like two crude or general ways to to do this, and it, it might not be 100% pinpoint, but we can roll with it. WHL stats and World Junior performances, right? Sure. And we'll compare Connor Bedard to Sidney Crosby and to Connor McDavid. Okay. In the WHL, as of now, I think you said Bedard has 192 points in 105 games. This is career? Yes, that's wow. career. That's 1.83 points per game. In McDavid's time with the Erie Otters, I think he was only at 1.71 only, but which is still crazy. But Bedard hasn't beat, and mm-hmm. he was younger when he did it. When you compare him to Sidney Crosby playing with Ramuski, it, it's a little different. Crosby blows them both out of the water. How many I points think. did he have? In 03, he had 135 points in 59 Holy games. Smokes. And in 04, he had 166 points with 66 goals in 62 games. That puts him at 2.5 points per game. <laughs> That's so. That's a joke. So what, what we learned from that is prospect-wise, Crosby blows both McDavid and Berdard out of the water in terms of like WHL stats. In terms of the junior numbers, yeah. yeah. But quite significantly Bedard was a, a lot better than Connor McDavid coming out of yeah, the WHL coming. and another good way to compare it is on the world junior stage like obviously it's trivial in the world juniors you have the best prospects competing against the best prospects but you know what Bedard did like we talked about it a little it's bit insane this year he had what 23 points in seven games nine goals and a plus minus of 14 and one year ago when he was 16 years old still wearing the fishbowl because he was too young to wear the visor eight points in seven games which is still pretty remarkable as a 16 year old 16 year old when you look at Crosby and McDavid's world junior performances like they weren't anything especially special and granted they were also 16 year olds but they did what you would expect a 16 year old phenomenon to do in those tournaments Crosby I think in 04 had five points in six games and then the year after had nine points in six games and McDavid with his time at the world juniors had four points in seven games and then 11 points in seven games yeah so it's pretty crazy to see that Berdard had McDavid beat in the WHL and also had him beat on the biggest stage we haven't seen a player let alone with this special 16 year old exemption status dominate a tournament like Berdard did and for him to do it two years in a row at that young of an age I think that means Berdard is a better prospect than McDavid does this mean that I think McDavid, Bedard's going to be a better NHL player than McDavid? Like, no, McDavid's on the Mount Rushmore of hockey, I think, right now. Ooh. But what this means is that Bedard has the potential to be a McDavid, Sidney Crosby-type like generational, once-every-20-years type player. And that's like pretty interesting to see where he goes. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of teams sucking really, really hard. They already are, mm-hmm. but I... I wonder if teams are going to start selling earlier so they can suck a little bit ahead of the curve and really improve their chances of drafting him. I mean, you you mentioned his performances. It's fourth most points all time in the world junior history. Wow. And the Canadian record for goals and points. He has 36 points and 17 goals in his two tournaments. He has the fourth most points in a single world junior tournament, 23, like you mentioned. And he tied the single game points... Um, for Canada, seven points against Germany in the second game. That's insane. Who hasn't beat? I think it's Forsberg and maybe For, Forsberg and Nasland, and then uh, I can't remember. This is just like kind of disrespectful. I'll finish with Finnish guy. I can't remember his name. Mm-hmm. My apologies, but um, three guys ahead of him, and I'm pretty sure they all had an opportunity to play in the tournament as 18, 19 year olds. Mm-hmm. 
potentially. Um, so for the fact that Bedard did it before he was even drafted, um, it's astounding. He's yeah. I, well, based on the numbers, I don't think you can really argue against your point that he's a better prospect than McDavid. And when we'll see a translate in the NHL, mm-hmm. people are saying, "Oh, can he? Can the game? Can he?" When we hear this all the time with players who aren't six feet, "Oh, can he make it work in the NHL?" I think he's going to be just fine. He's also seventeen years old. He like guys hit a couple their, inches. Guys yeah. hit their growth spurt at eighteen, nineteen. I'm still waiting for my last growth yeah, spurt to well, hit me to six. Yeah, we have time, I think. But even if he even if he doesn't grow, let's just say he stays five nine. He's gonna be fine. It's possible now. He's yeah. He, I think he's proven it. He's playing against guys who were up to nineteen or twenty years old in this tournament. Mm-hmm. Like there were some guys on the Czech and the Swedes on who were big boys. They were trying. They were clearly playing physical with him, making a point, and he he held his own and he put up points. Mm-hmm. Like that Slovakia game. I think it was in the it was in the quarters. That was probably their honestly one of their tougher games of the whole tournament. Yeah. They were they were hacking, slashing, hitting, finishing all their checks. I know it's different when a when a 30-year-old, you know, Victor Hedman finishes usually in the corner compared to, like, Simon Nemec, who's only 19. But we saw that he can handle the physicality. And as he grows and as he puts on some muscle, he's going to be fine. I don't see any reason for him to not blow us out of the blow all the expectations out of the water once he gets drafted next year. Yeah, and I mean, once again, like, what Connor McDavid transpired into after being drafted, obviously he was a huge prospect. Obviously he huge. was a bonafide, like 100%, he was going first in that draft. Yeah, he was. He had the hype of Crosby almost. He did have the hype yeah. of Crosby. He was unbelievable in the WHO. And what we said, in, in the World Juniors, he wasn't great. And then he took a crazy step. I think in his first year, he was already a point per game. And I checked last year, in his second year, at 100 points. And I think since Dumb. then, I think since then, he's only had under 100 points once. And that might have been the COVID era. Where they got, yeah, where it got cut, the season got cut short. Yeah, and remember, there was another COVID year with 52 games or something. And he got like and he had 100 like, and something, yeah. 20 points or something stupid like the, that. The step that he took, was like unprecedented given his world junior and whl yeah. career even though those were so exceptional yeah and so i guess that goes to show that if someone quote-unquote underperforms in the world juniors they can still be the best player in the world mm-hmm. but i don't i don't think the i don't think you can use that same argument to say because bedard overperformed there's room for him to regress like i think he's just that good exactly that's the point i'm trying to make the reverse isn't true and i wouldn't be surprised if Connor bedard comes into the nhl in his first year and puts up like 65 points and then as a point per game player for the rest surprised. of his year i wouldn't be surprised he, at all he's definitely going to get playing time whether he yeah. goes to montreal or chicago those teams are terrible i just hope for his sake that he doesn't go to you know we saw with jack eichel and jack eichel was so really good early on with the sabers but we saw those teams had no supporting cast for these superstars to really develop into what we knew they could be. So I just hope for his sake that he goes to a team where there's somebody for him to play alongside, someone that can like actually help him. I know McDavid played with like Yakupov and Pat Maroon for his first year and still put up those numbers, but it helps to have somebody who can at least shoot the puck or pass the puck on your line. So I'm hoping for his sake he gets to go to a team where he gets a, a little bit of help. Yeah, there'll be a lot of Connor Bedard talk in the next coming yeah. months. Is there any other players? I don't want to put you on the spot. Like, it's tough. Are there any other players in the tournament that surprised you based on the eye test? I think because he was in Bedard's shadow until the, maybe the semifinals or the quarters, Fantilli got overlooked a lot. He's definitely going two. He's going top three, top five. Top five for sure, potentially top three. Um, he... I didn't. I, I admittedly never watched him before, mm-hmm. but I often noticed him when he was on the ice. He's like such a great skater. He's fast, and when he got demoted 
Um, it's really easy, I think, especially for a guy who has the expectation and the cloud of being a top five pick to be sulky when he gets demoted. But he went to the third and fourth line. He was throwing his body around. He clearly wanted to play for a team and he embraced his role. I think that's nothing but good omen for what he can be at the NHL level. Um, you know, we see guys like we're going to talk about him later, Lafreniere, not you know, not step into a top six role right away and get demoted. Mm-hmm. And he's not seeming to thrive in a third line role. Like I can see Fantilli maybe not being able to crack a top, you know, depending on where he gets drafted. If he doesn't automatically find himself in the top six, I think maybe this tournament proved that he can still be effective as he develops as a third line guy. Cause he's not afraid to, you know, throw his body around. He's, he's not small either. I think that's a pretty good omen. I think that's a pretty good um, description. I think it's tough. When you see a player like Connor Bedard be that good, it's so easy to yeah. say everyone else by comparison wasn't special. Like, let's remember, we haven't seen a World Junior tournament yeah. like Connor Bedard, honestly. Ever. In what, like 20, uh, in 20 30 years? we've yeah. never seen it. We've, we've never seen a guy dominate like that. And everywhere across TSN, SportsCenter, ESPN, he was being talked about, number one, because he, he's 12 years old, and number two, yeah. because like what, what he did is what he did. But yeah, Fantilli's a good show. Another one I have is Thomas Millich. Man, I had never heard about yeah, this goalie. guy before. He's not even drafted, right? I know. 19-year-old goalie won all five of his starts with a 1.76 yeah. goals against and a 932 save percentage. He didn't percentage. even start the first game of the tournament, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, and a lot of times, you know, there's one valid argument against these points. Like, yeah, he plays for Team Canada, the best team in the yeah, tournament. It's fair. But let's but not remember, still, he won us a few games. That All well, the states, he was unbelievable. We should have lost that yeah, game. We should have lost that game. He gave up two goals in the, what, the first, like, seven or eight minutes, yeah, I think they went it up, was. Right? And then ended up making, I think, 43 saves Huge in a row. Huge saves. 43. And a couple of them should have gone in. Yeah. I think it's, like, it's just so easy for a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds to crumble after being down two. Not only does he stay in the game, it would have been a great performance to let in another two on 30 shots. Yeah. This guy goes 43 saves in a row. Yeah. Also, in the check game, like after giving up two late ones, one of them was not his fault. I think it redirected off one of yeah, our own both players. Both of them were tough. Like he made his, he got a piece of the first one and then it was a rebound. And yeah, the second one, it was going wide and it hit off the master one in. Like, it, it's so easy for any NHL goalie in, yeah. a, in a time that big to crumble and be like, oh man, everything's against me. He's not only not an NHL goalie, he's 19 years old, gives up two goals that shouldn't have gone in. And then he has like that backbone yeah. to make a game-saving stop in the, in the last like 10 seconds, yeah. right? He made that stop in the scrum of the crease. And in overtime, granted, he didn't have much work, but he was good. He still made the saves yet to make. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I have a feeling that this is going to get him some form of NHL looks after I, what he did. I feel like he, teams would have to be looking at him, even if... I don't know if he's draft eligible anymore. I, I don't know how all those rules work, but mm-hmm. if you can sign him to a minor league deal or two-way deal and just get him to maybe skate on a with you at a camp in the summer give him a shot i feel like he's earned that right now i agree um and another guy while we're talking about goalies this um slovakian goalie adam Gayan, yeah like was a monster on his he head. was wearing green pads because he was their third stringer heading into the tournament he plays i think he plays for like chippewa or something like that like like a chippewa steel team i didn't know existed until i googled it um he was so so good I think it, I, just, I I don't know how like these guys tend to slip under the radar. I think it just goes to show that like sometimes you just need an opportunity, and if you take your opportunity, it can like be a game changer for your career. We talked about it with goalies. Every goalie is like good for the most part. You, sometimes you just need your opportunity to, to show your stuff. And I mean, Slovakia was a surprise team of the tournament for me, and for no other reason than him. 
being probably the if they would have went one round further he's probably the best goal in the tournament 100 percent. i think this was a tournament of the europeans like shout yeah. out to those checks man they played us hard they did. what did they hammer us in game one five one yeah and yeah. then in game two they took us to overtime like granted they got dominated for most of that game in the finals Still. but I, I think they knew that was gonna happen yeah and for them to score two goals in the last seven minutes and take us to overtime like shout out to them yeah first medal since 2005 and their best finish since 01 like that's crazy it's good to see that these european teams who we kind of discarded or like had become afterthoughts maybe to some people mm-hmm. are kind of making their names again which is good it's, it's only good for hockey yeah like, it's that awesome. these teams are it's back. awesome to see because usually in these world juniors you're thinking canada like a pile of, of of space and then like the states sweden and russia finland yeah and now you're seeing like finland and czech starting to compete hardcore finland's yeah, had some really good teams for recently. the past i think i think they might have been might be across like all their junior tournaments like u18 ivan halinka this one the world juniors I think they're the most successful team over the past three to four years. Like they win a medal every tournament now, yeah. it seems, except maybe except for this one. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's good. It's good to see. I'm excited to see like the World Juniors be a little bit more competitive. But yeah, it is nice to see good. Canada take home. Gold yeah, of every course year. we want Canada to win. But if we can get other good stories to come out of it, it's even better. Yeah. Before we move on, mm-hmm. we're talking about Bedard, and I now want to do this because you're understandably high on Bedard. We all are, but I want to do a little bit of a would you rather with Bedard. Okay. So the gamble here is that these players that I'm going to name, they're all established NHL players. I wouldn't say any of them are superstars, but they're all very well established. Mm -hmm. And so the risk here is that Bedard has the potential to become better than them on paper, but he can also flop. Prospects sometimes don't live up to their hype. So I want you to say right now, who would you take if you had to start an NHL team tomorrow, let's say? So am I taking these players over the possible hype of Bedard becoming a McDavid, but with the risk of him flopping? Exactly. Okay, let's do it. Like who who would you want for the duration of their careers? Basically? In the NHL. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. First one is Matt Barzell. Oh, Connor Bedard. Matt Barzell, we talk about this all the time. He was like a Calder winner, had the chance to be a superstar, has never really panned out. Solid second-line center on a cup-winning team. Give me the guy who can be a generational So you don't player. want the point-of-game guy who's guaranteed point-of-game. I'm going to get that in Connor Bedard. Okay. Next. Next, Nico Hishier. Oh, that one's tougher because he's better two ways, a better overall player, also a first-round pick. First overall pick. First overall pick. Ah, he isn't, he's not really a superstar. He's one of the, the lower-end first overall picks ever. Give me, uh, give me Connor Bedard. Okay, okay. Robert Thomas. Nah, Bedard. Thomas is like if he stay, if he doesn't get an assist, he's right off the score sheet. Okay. Yeah. Pierre Luc Dubois. Oh, Connor Bedard. I, I'm gonna choose Connor Bedard over all these. Is it, you, you're taking PLD over over Connor McDavid? I don't know who. Sorry, Bedard. I I don't know who I would take. It's just tough because you know exactly what you're getting with these guys. Like you're getting guys who are gonna get you 80 to 85 points almost all the time. Yeah. And you just never know what can happen with a youngster. Like it's these guys are solidified first line centers for the most part. That is true. We all thought Lafreniere was going to be a yeah. point per game player and flopped, but just the hype around Bedard we haven't seen in seven okay. years since McDavid. I'm going to go with it. This guy's had a bit of a breakout season. Nick Suzuki. Oh, that's a bit tougher. He's regressed so now, but he clearly has the potential to be a superstar player. Yeah, I'm gonna. You know what? I will marginally take. Connor Bedard, just because he has the potential. It's the same thing. Like, do you see Suzuki being a hundred point player in his career? No. Yeah, there's very few players in the NHL that have that potential, and I think unanimously we'll all agree Bedard does. This is the one I think where you have to give. Okay. Do you want Connor Bedard or Jack Hughes? Oh no, Jack Hughes. You're right. It has to be Jack Hughes. Jack Hughes is already one of the better scorers in the NHL. Looks like he's going to be a 95 point player for the rest of his career. If he shores up his defensive game, he's a top winger in the league. Okay. Yeah, that's the one I thought you would have to give on. But the, all the other ones, I think there's 100% an argument to be made for Bedard, which is 
crazy to think that you're going to take a 17 year old over these guys but i feel like people would have to agree with you for the most part on this one let's do it we're just going to take a brief intermission to shout out the sponsor of today's episode bet stamp picture this a big leaf game is on and you want to place a bet but are overwhelmed by the abundance of sports books that are offering you odds on the same game well put your worries away by opening the bet stamp app which will directly compare the lines across multiple sports books to help you find the best odds possible. On BetStamp, you can verify the existence of your proposed bets and its corresponding odds in order to buy and sell picks with full transparency. Also thinking about making money selling your own picks? BetStamp is the place for you. With their commission-free marketplace, you can sell your picks on the app without paying a single cut. It's completely free. To learn more, visit betstamp.app slash Ontario using code UFR to get access to all of Betstamp's affiliates and their prices. The only way to get an edge in online sports betting is by using the Betstamp app alongside different sports books. So download it today. We'll see you on the smart side of online sports betting. Um, quickly, just one more storyline that came out of the World Juniors. Not really a storyline, it's just like something that happened. Um, the Kraken decided to send Shane right back to the OHL after you know leading Canada as a captain to the World Junior Gold. He's also almost certainly getting traded before the deadline this Tuesday to one of the top teams in the um, OHL. Why, does Kingston suck? They're like middle of the pack, okay. yeah. And I feel like the team's going to want to make an OHL Cup run and, and a Memorial Cup run. Shane Wright's literally an NHL player who's going to be joining your junior team. Like You've got to give up what you can to get him. I think this is honestly the right move now. Okay, this is a tough question, but you usually know like these obscure like anecdotal facts about these things. Why was he not allowed to be moved before? Could only go to the A, and now he can go. Like, what's the thing with that? So he was allowed to play for the AHL because there's a rule where if you get scratched for I think it's five games in a row, it's either five or ten, one of those two, then you can qualify for a conditioning stint in the AHL, which is five games. Okay. So, like, I think they scratched him for a number of games knowing they could send him down to the AHL and get him some games. Mm -hmm. But he's not allowed to go to the AHL because he plays in the CHL, and there's an agreement where if you're eligible to play for the CHL, you have to play there if you're not in the NHL. Oh, okay. To keep, It's basically just to keep talent in the junior leagues, which, you know, there's definitely arguments both ways, but that's the rule. So they had to send him back down to the OHL if they want him to play games. How do you always know this stuff? I don't know. I've just, I just hear about it. I think Elliot Friedman mentioned it on one of those. I don't know. Where do you think he's going to go? I think some of the teams that are interested in him, I think I might have been Elliot Friedman reported on this or one of them. Jeff Merrick, maybe. Ottawa 67s, the Knight, London Knights, Barry Colts, and the Peets are the front runners. I would be shocked if he doesn't end up in London because London just has a way of getting the best players on their team. Like all the time, the Hunter brothers get what they want in terms of junior hockey. So I'd be hard pressed to think he doesn't end up there, but. I don't know much about junior hockey, but what I do know is that the, the London Knights are always the, always in the running to win the Memorial Cup, and yeah. they've had some pretty sick teams. They've had unbelievable teams. Yeah, like that they've team, had the that best te- junior players ever. That team with like Marner, Mete, there was a bunch of other yeah. players on Kachuk that team. Kachuk was on that team. Insane. Dvorak was on that team. Stupid. Yeah, they, I, I think they won that tournament by like a pretty wide margin. I think they won the OHL Cup. and I, w- I don't remember if they won the Memorial Cup, but I, probably because that team is just full of talent. Yeah, Mete was on that team too. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think... This is the right move. Uh, he's going to get games. He's going to dominate, hopefully, for his sake. I don't see any reason why he wouldn't put up, like, maybe close to one, between one, one and a half and two points a game. He should. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he's going to be a leader on whatever team he goes to. If he wins the OHL Cup, he competes in the Memorial Cup, that's good experience for him at that age, right? If you're not going to be playing, I feel like even if it's not the NHL, as a 19-year-old, you'd rather be playing meaningful games in the OHL than getting scratched and playing six minutes a game in the in the NHL. I, I agree. I, I don't think it's the right move overall for his development, but given that his coach is Dave Haxall, it's undoubtedly the right move. Because yeah. he, he should be in the NHL getting minutes, but if his coach isn't going to give him exactly. minutes, 100% move him back down. And, and you're right. Like When you, as a 19-year-old, win big tournaments, the so World Juniors, you go win, what's the cup? Is it the Memorial Cup? Win a Memorial Cup like that. You come back to the NHL with a little bit of a hop in your step. Like You don't think, yeah. I think Dylan, Dylan Gunter or whatever is going to go back to Arizona, <laughs> scoring that golden goal, not thinking you he's him. You feel very good about himself. Yeah, he, yeah. he thinks he's him, and he's playing on third or second line minutes now he probably has a little more confidence and who knows maybe this kickstarts his career a little better absolutely yeah i think without a doubt that'll happen so good for good for shane right hopefully he comes back next year and finds himself playing actual meaningful hockey for the kraken who seem to be playoff bound i don't understand crazy i don't know if we want to talk about that now or later but I thought they were frauds. They, they don't seem to be frauds, but good for them. I don't. I think once the playoff comes, they're going to get their heads kicked in, but that's just me. Yeah, I think it's a better story than Vegas because Vegas bought their way to this, these things. Like Seattle's just developing. I don't understand. There's yeah, they no, came out of nowhere. No superstars on that team like Burakovsky and Beneers. Like, come on. Like, but, they're good players, but they're not. Yeah, they don't have that guy, yeah. and good for them. That's a good talking point for next time. So speaking of that guy... That guy in this city, Toronto, Ooh. is Austin Matthews. I like that little transition. He, you know, I'm gonna keep you on your toes. He's the fastest Leaf to 500 points and the fifth fastest among active players. I think it was like 400 and what? How many games? 45. 445 games. I think he's just good at hockey. Like, I don't think there's anywhere anywhere else to put it. On a down year, he's still over a point a game, doing his thing. Mm-hmm. He's the guy. Talk that talk. I think Sundin was 495. Vive was 495 as well. Sittler was 517. And then we're going to continue down yeah. and down. But it, you're right. It wasn't, not only was he the fastest, he was the fastest by 50 games. That's that's not insignificant. Like, that's that's crazy. I think Mitch is close behind him too. He's going to get there in a couple games. But I think Matthews would still have, like, way fewer games because Matthews, you know, unfortunately had some injury trouble earlier in his career. He's a special player. Like, let's be real about he's, it. He's the second best player in the NHL. We'll we'll, we'll test your knowledge yeah, about that with I, the Would I, You Rather pretty soon. But before that, like there's been a lot of talk now from credible sources that the Matthews camp wants an eight-year by $120 million contract. What's the math on that? $15 million AAV. 15. That would put him at the highest paid player in the NHL. I yep. think um, McKinnon is at... Twelve point six or something. He's a hundred marginally more. the uh, the that, most expensive player. That'll put him at the highest paid player in the NHL for about two years until Connor McDavid becomes yeah. a free agent. If you're Kyle Dubas, do you give it to him? Yeah. Be- apparently, you know, and this might just be something that is said to keep up negotiations, is that they're not automatically just willing to give it to him. Yeah, you have to, you have to approach it with that mindset. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not gonna like come on public. You say, yeah, we'll let Austin, we'll let Austin, we'll give him a blank check even though in reality, maybe that's what they're doing. I think you, the issue with that is that he will be significant. Like he'll be by two and a half million, the most expensive player. And I don't necessarily think right now he's two and a half million dollars better than Nate McKinnon or Connor McDavid. Definitely not Connor McDavid, but I think you have to give it to him Mm -hmm. because he in a vacuum is worth that money. Yeah. And I also don't, I agree. He's not worth 2.5 million more than Connor McDavid, but when Connor McDavid fetches market value, he 
you'll he'll get be, more than he'll that. be getting more than 15 right if matthews gets 15 mcdavid's gonna be getting 16 at least and i can't do the math on that perfectly but 15 million over a salary cap that should reach like 90 ish 93 million by the you, time he signs you'd hold is just over 15 percent of the cap what is that probably like 18 19 and you know what to tie up as the second best player in the NHL to a contract over eight years or eight years for a guy that is an American that probably wants to go back to play in the States. And Americans have been notorious for doing that. If you're going to put up a little bit higher of a percentage of the cap to lock him down for his prime, do you're doing it. If I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm walking into that room with a blank check. And I'm saying here, take your time, sign yeah. whatever you want. I'll sign it. I'll give you whatever you want. I think he, I think you have to keep him. You have to do whatever it takes to keep him because Number one, you don't want to be the GM that let Austin Matthews walk. Kyle Dubas already gets flack for, and we'll talk, and we're not going to make this a Kyle Dubas segment, but he gets flack for no reason a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. And so he, for his own reputation in this city, he needs to keep him here. And another factor that I kind of didn't think about until yesterday when I was preparing is that, unfortunately, Willie has played himself out of this market. Yep. So that's seven million. Unfortunately, that's going to become free on the day that Matthews would become a free agent. Like their contracts up at the same time. You're gonna have you're gonna be able to make that work and you're gonna have to replace Willie, of course, but that cap space is gonna be there to keep Matthews around, even if it is at a fifth number that starts with that starts with fifteen. Yeah, you cannot lose them both. And when we yeah, talk about imagine? who is more replaceable, you're right. Is is like a, a star borderline superstar studded point per game winger who gets you thirty goals a year or a, a generational type two-way center who gets fringe Selkie votes, the best goal scorer in the league, and he's a centerman. Obviously, the latter yeah. is more with, irreplaceable. Without a doubt. Like, Willie's my favorite player on the team, but if you had to, obviously, I'm not that deluded to think that he's more important than Matthews. You have to keep Matthews, and if that means at the expense of Willie, unfortunately, that's, you know, you got to make hard decisions as a GM. Um, I feel like in a perfect world, that number comes in around 13 and a half. No way. I, perfect world. Like, you get, you, he's, by a million, the highest paid player. I feel like 13 is a good number, but if he wants 15, I don't think I don't think it's worth the risk of hard, playing hardball with him. You just give him what he wants, and you you get the second best player in the league for eight years until his prime, until his early 30s. Like you do it. I gotta be honest, I'm surprised it was only 15. Like with the with the cap being yeah. stagnated for that long, I think Bettman wants to increase it relatively quickly, and the NHL is doing well now in the post COVID era. I thought he was gonna want 17. I'm surprised he's not, and I, maybe maybe this will change if the Leafs, for whatever reason, aren't willing to give him that number. Matthews always struck me as a guy who would be like more like the NBA model, where it's like, I'll take a two-year deal here and there because I know I'm going to get more and more. Mm-hmm. He seems like he just trusts himself and is so confident, even with his injury history, that every two years he can get a pay raise by like $2 million and like make way more money over the long run. I just don't think his agent would let him do that. You don't think so? No, because God forbid he has like... Yeah, that's the risk, right? He pulls like a Robbie Fabry and has three ACL yeah. pairs in a row and then, you know... And then just career's done. Yeah. You know what? Worst comes to worst. He doesn't sign back and then when Connor McDavid's a free agent, you give him eight by 20. <laughs> you just triggered the whole city of Edmonton. <laughs> in one shot, in five words, you said it. You triggered the whole city. I mean, I think for Matthews to come back, he's like... And a low-key contingency is he's going to get the C. Like, I think it's time for Austin off that. When, you know, when he's a free agent, Tavares will be low-key towards the end of his contract. Yeah, I, I just Matthews, feel, I just kind of feel bad for Johnny. Like, he doesn't, like, he hasn't done anything wrong. No, he hasn't. But he's playing beside the best, I think, honestly, the best two-way center in the NHL. And obviously, we've talked about this. People misnomer that for being the best defensive center. In terms of offense and defense together, nobody does it. combination of it, right? yeah. Nobody does it like him. Another another thing I would be slightly concerned about, though, if they do give him 15, 
mm-hmm. is, and we saw this with their first contracts. Like, what does that mean when Marner comes up a year later? He's in a, wait, when, when Matthews got 11.6, his agent came out and was like, oh, that's a big deal. We're going to be asking for, you know, similar money. He got, I think he got just under 11. So he's, uh, he'd be coming asking for 13 plus without a doubt. And then you'd be hard pressed to not give it to him because he is also clearly worth that kind of money. It's just if you set that precedent internally, it gives players the asking power of a, of another huge contract. That's fair. I just think that's a, a Kyle Dubas in two-year problem. Yeah, it's like you focus on the first one. Because the thing is, is let's face it, Matthews is the entire team. If Matthews walks, Marner yeah. does not sign back. So if you have to get Matthews at 15, that gives you the chance to get Marner at 13. You take that and you hope you can negotiate him down. Yeah. Worst comes to worst, you know, Nylander isn't signing back. There's always those Kevin Fiala-type players on the open market that will want eight and a half, like Alex Dabrinkit. Those guys are very, very abundant. You can easily replace Nylander, albeit replacing Mitch Marner is much more difficult. But if you don't sign Matthews back, Marner is not staying. I don't care that he's from the That's GTA. true. That's a good point. Yeah. So That's a good point. We'll see. Um, do you have anything more to talk about the Leafs? No. Okay, so you you uh you gave a nice little hot mic there saying Matthews is around the second best player in the NHL. I think so. It's time to do a would you rather for okay. Austin Matthews, the quickest leaf in organization history to reach 500 points. This is why that we're doing it. I'm going to ask you a bunch of players right now and you tell me who you would rather take, Austin Matthews or Blank. You ready? Okay. Austin Matthews or the guy he's been compared to his entire career, Leon Dreitseidel. I'm sorry, Edmonton. Tell him. I'm taking Austin Matthews. I'm taking Austin Matthews. He is objectively a better goal scorer. Yep. He's better two-way. Um, listen, dry settle for me is the third or fourth best player in the league, but I think Austin Matthews is the second best. So for that reason, I will take Austin Matthews. Love it. I'm taking Leon as well. Austin Matthews or Nathan McKinnon? I'm still going to take Matthews. I know people will come at me and say, you know, Nate Dogg has done it in, um, in the playoffs. Fair. But I think Matthews' time will come, and I think he's a better player overall, better goal scorer. Puts up a similar amount of points. Give me Austin. Here we go. Austin Matthews or Kirill Kaprizov? Yeah, Matthews. Matthews all day. That's pretty easy. I love Kirill, but for me, Matthews. It's going to take a lot for me to go against him. Austin Matthews or Kale McCarr? Okay, this is the one I would debate. Yep. Um, because it's like if I'm if I need a, if I'm starting a team from scratch, do I want the, the number one center or do I want the generational defenseman? Most time I'm leading the center. Mm-hmm. And so for that reason, I will take Matthews, but I, this one is so close. I don't think there's a wrong answer. I think the centerman is the most important position yeah. in the NHL. I am marginally going to take Kale McCarr okay. just because I, he is just so generational. He's going to win 10 Norses in his yeah. career. It's hard but to argue against that. You're right. You, you can't. Either one is good. And then, you know what? The last one, just because he's been compared to him since his rookie year. And I remember all of these fans saying, oh, you know, he's better than Austin Matthews. Uh-oh. Austin Matthews or Patrick Laine? <laughs> Give me Austin Matthews' right leg <laughs> compared to Patrick Laine's entire body. Like they're not even on the same conversation. Remember anymore. when people thought that they were the same? They player? were, yeah. I remember that after their first season, people thought Patrick Laine was better. I yeah. mean, let Winnipeg have their time, have their their moment. You know, small market, give them some love. But I take I take half of Austin Matthews before I even looked at Patrick Laine these days. A hundred percent. And all of the Toronto Maple Leafs haters watching us on TikTok, you see these figurines <laughs> back here. Austin Matthews scoring sixty. Austin Matthews winning a cup this year. <laughs> I don't want to hear any of this crap that we have all these figurines in the back. We're riding that bias. Austin Matthews all the way, except for Connor McDavid. Yeah, he's the him. only one I would take over him without thinking about. There we go. Let's do it. I like it. I like it. I Second think Austin, best player in the league. Hundred percent. And and like we're the and speaking of Austin Matthews, like the All Star list came out, and he wasn't named an All Star team yet. Obviously, I think that's going to change. But Mitch was. I honestly think Mitch deserves it more. 
yeah, he deserves it. And like, you know, we talk a lot about Mitch being from Toronto, carrying the weight of being a Toronto guy. I feel like he's deserved a little bit of love this season because he's, you know, been the guy that people rag on in the playoffs all the time. And he had a historic run this season. He's put up a lot of points. I think he's had like a really good season. And I, I'm happy for him that he got that recognition. Mm-hmm. But this is not about Mitch. Is there any player that was not selected for the All-Star game that you think needs to be in the All-Star game or else it's a farce? Like, is there someone you're like, this guy, how is he not there right now? I think it's your boy, Dougie Hamilton. Okay. I think it has to be. He's very quietly putting up a Norris caliber season. Yeah. 34 points in 30, 39 games. He's plus 11 in a very offensive, tough Metro division mm-hmm. on a team that shouldn't have been as good as they are. And you know what? I'm tired of all these arguments of saying, you know, he's only good because of his team. The team's good because of him. Right. Like all like Dougie Hamilton is mm-hmm. on the ice for 25 to 27 minutes a night. The fact that he's plus 11 playing against the best players in the league, like I said, in a Metro division that is star studded, he's putting up 25 assists in th- this year. I mean, I, I think he has to be an all star player. But the problem is he's like you said before, he's that is the third smallest, the third largest team in that in that state. Yeah. Who is voting in New Jersey over other players and other teams well, in the I th- Metro? I think the good thing is it's. Fan voting plays like a part of it. It's not all of it. I think there's other GMs and stuff who make whatever decisions. But I agree on paper, he's got to be there. And also, I I don't. I think this goes into who I pick as a guy who needs to be there as well. But there's no defenseman on any of the Eastern Conference teams. The Metro and the Atlantic team, they don't have a defenseman on them right now. Deline didn't go. Oh, it's Tage. That's my guy. Is that your guy? That's my guy. Deline is my guy. He's one of two because the other one's also a little spicy. Okay. Um. I just feel like his improvement and his importance to that team can't be overlooked. It needs to be rewarded with an all-star appearance. And the thing is, though, the tough part is that there's only 12 teams that can have more than one representative mm-hmm. because of the way that the system works. You know, good or bad, every team needs one guy, even though there are probably like seven or eight teams who have no all-star worthy players on them and they just got picked because someone needs to go. Mm-hmm. But he's just been so good. I don't know how you don't pick him on that. Like, and the only other defenseman, I think, in the Atlantic that has a shot is Charlie McAvoy, but he has, you know, not played. He hasn't played all season. So I think Deline has to be that guy. Um, anybody else that jumps out to you as a guy who should or even shouldn't be there? I think Zuccarello should also be there. Okay. I that's think a he good, That's a good show. He's been underrated his whole career. 40 points in 37 games. Wow. He's very quietly having a career year, right? Mm-hmm. And that power play isn't as good now that uh, Fiala isn't there anymore. But obviously Kaprizov, still Kaprizov, but... Once again, Minnesota is like one of the smallest markets yeah. in the NHL. It'll be it'll be tough. Um, you said you had one more guy. Is he also a defenseman? I want to try to guess it. Your Mm-mm. second guy. He's a forward. I think if you just like know me, like who who is the guy that I would want to be there all the time? Like my guy. Talk- oh, it's Willie. It's Willie. Oh, baby. Can you How- have three guys coming from one team? I don't. I think technically it's possible, but I just don't think we'll see that. So unfortunately, he might get the because Matthews is going to be there. Like, how is he not? Mm-hmm. But he's Willie's leading the Leafs in goals and points as of this recording. Over Mitch? Yeah. Oh wow. He's got I think I think a one or two more points than both of Mitch and Matthews. And he's just he's just so good. Like I I'm he's getting the recognition that he deserves. He's like he is a first line winger on every team in the NHL. I don't care what you say about I, I just actually won't listen to you if you say he's not a first line winger in this league. He's elite. He's on the. He's not a superstar yet. He's definitely a star in my eyes. He's so good. Unfortunately, he's probably like his second last season in the, in the, in the, with the Leafs because he's become that good. But 
I feel like he deserves to be rewarded. I agree. I think the biggest um, knock against William Nylander his whole career is his lack of consistency. I yeah. remember last year yeah, he'd go game. Fair. He'd have five points in like two games and then would go five games without a point. Mm-hmm. Last year, very quietly put up 82-ish points in 82 he's, games. And he was over a point a game. Yeah. This year, he is not only a point per game or just over. He's doing it on a very consistent fashion. Mm-hmm. Like you won't see William Nylander go more than three games without a point. And that's pretty cool to see his maturation as yeah. a player. He also looks better-ish defensively. I remember last year when we're watching NHL games for the Leafs, all we would talk about is William Nylander's lack of play in the defensive zone. Now that we don't talk about him as much, means he's doing a little bit more. Exactly. You don't don't notice him being a liability anymore, which is all you can ask. It makes him better offensively too. It's the tint advisor, man. I know. He's so saucy. Like He just (laughs) has so much swag. If he wasn't good, he'd be chirped, but he's good, so it's worth it. And you know what? A lot of people might say, oh, he's playing on a line with Austin Matthews now. That's why he was good. That switch happened about midway through the season, and he was phenomenal in that first half. And he's made Matthews better. I think they made that switch because Matthews wasn't getting going, and now he's back, you know, being closer to what we expect of him. I think Willie is a big reason for that. Yeah, it's kind of sad that he's no longer going to be a Leaf, but, you know. Yeah, really sad. Surprise, surprise. Players are starting to play great when they're about to be paid. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Um, okay. Before we talk about players who we think shouldn't be there, we're going to do our third would you rather of the day okay. on Willie. Ooh, okay. William Nylander, would you rather? Let's do it. So for context, Willie is 17th in league scoring right now, 45 mm-hmm. points in 39 games. So I want for the rest of this season, are you going to take Willie or these guys? Let's I'm do it. start with a guy who was compared to Willie, Kevin Fiala. Ooh, that's close. They both put up similar points. I think Willie is just a little bit more dynamic. He can okay. score on his own a little better. I'm going to take okay. Willie. I agree. Jordan Cairo. That's tough. Cairo has, has currently the problem that Nylander used to have mm. in terms of inconsistency. was really bad to start off the year. Because Nylander is no longer an inconsistent player, I'm going to take William Nylander. This is one that I think you're going to have a tough time with. Okay. Willie Nylander or Steven Stamkos? Oh, I don't even think that's a tough time. It has to be Steven Stamkos. I disagree. No way. Stamkos is a perennial, one healthy, 100-point player putting well, up Willie 35. Willie is now 100 point. He's, he's he on is, pace for it. He is now. Okay, why are you taking Willie over him? I just like him. <laughs> <laughs> I like him. I don't know. I don't really. I'm biased, but I just think Willie's that guy. I'm going to take Stamkos because he's a better goal scorer. He's a better puck distributor. He's a better leader. He has cup okay. experience. Okay. But, you know. Those don't count for me. <laughs> okay. That's fair. You just mentioned him, Matt Zuccarello. Uh, I'm going to take William Nylander. Even though Zuccarello is a very underrated player, he's known for puck distribution more so than scoring. I think scoring is a more important asset. I'm going to take Nylander. Okay. I agree. Mark Stone. That one's tough because mm-hmm. Mark Stone is a selkie type player. Are we taking injuries into context and ability to stay healthy? I would. So if I'm, I'm saying for the rest of this season, sure. Sure. Like, um, if Mark Stone stays healthy, I think you have to take Mark Stone. Okay. Um, he also has a lot more cup experience. I think that what they were one game away from the Stanley Cup Finals that year. He was on that team in Ottawa, was he not? I think so. I think yeah. he was on that team. I, yeah. I'm going to marginally take um, Mark Stone. Okay. And this last one, William Nylander. Or Miko Rantanen. Ooh, wow. Miko Rantanen, you have to. Really? Miko Rantanen's a top, oh, I don't even know, six-ish, seven-ish winger in the league. Okay. Um, even when McKinnon and um, there was another big name, Nachushkin was hurt for Colorado yeah. early this year, Rantanen was great on his he own. carried the load. Yeah. So, like, you can tell that um, he can do it on his own. You've never really seen Nylander do it on True. his own. That's not his fault. The team star-studded. Yeah. But just because of that insurance, I'll take okay. Rantanen. That's that's actually a good explanation. Okay, that's 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 solid. Nylander over Stamkos. 
Yeah. Oh I, man. I think I think for the rest of the season, I think Willie's having a better season than him right now. That's gonna get some heat. You better grow some thick skin. Um, TikTok's I, I coming like for the, you. I feel like the Leafs' presence on TikTok will have my back on that one. But then the Leafs haters will not high about, so it'll even out to just like neutral yeah how about the other 31 of out of 32 fan bases that are going to be coming for yeah, your head i think Le- the leafs fans will come out in droves to support me on this yeah. one i think every leafs fan on tiktok loves willie we're just going to take a brief intermission here to shout out the sponsor of today's episode manabo town located in north york ontario manabo town is ready to support you with all of your pre-game luxury wear ranging from sharp suits to sleek shirts and pristine ties Manabo Town is here to elevate your game to the next level. Visit Manabo Town today or find them on Instagram at manabotown265 to learn more about how they can assist you. Okay, now let's hop back to All-Star game, All-Star game quick in terms of selections. Is there a player that sticks out to you as a guy who just, like, he's there but he really shouldn't be? I'll give mine two very quick. Number one, I mean, he has to go because there's no one else on this team. Seth Jones. I yeah, that's mean, my guy. Yeah. He sucks. Okay, then you talk about it because I have one more. I was going to say, like, I know Chicago needs to have somebody there, but if everyone sucks, just send Patrick Kane. That's true. Like, if you have to pick a player who's having a bad season, just let him have his last all-star game with the Blackhawks before he leaves. He's Patrick Kane, so he's automatically a big name. Mm -hmm. And just let him have his moment. I don't know why the NHL needs to make things difficult like this sometimes. He was the clear and obvious pick on the clearly an obviously worst team in the league just send Patrick Kane let him have his fun before he gets traded because this is his last few months as a Blackhawk just send him I think he's just sent Connor Bedard at this point honestly could you imagine <laughs> they're gonna vote Connor, Connor Bedard as a future Blackhawk I mean I it's either there or Montreal and I mean if he's on Chicago next year there's nobody on that team so it'll be him for a while yeah. do you have anyone else or no that was the one who just stuck out to me I have UC Saros as well like he hasn't yeah I kind of agree with that one like, yeah, there's better goalies he hasn't been unreal this year like he like he's still putting up a 918 that's a very yeah good bonafide nhl goalie but it's not like 936 needs to be there um like i said he's been solid but not unreal no one on the press is good this why, year right? kind of sad to see that forsberg and duchene are taking a huge I, step back people were so high on that team but that they've just never they've never had it yeah since well, like i don't know the mid 2010s We'll talk about it maybe on another episode. Yeah. Like they're close to trading Ekholm and McDonough already. McDonough, which is kind of sad. They're gonna go into a full fledged rebuild. I mean, they just uh, they're gonna they're, it's gonna be like a type of rebuild, like the San Jose Sharks when they get there, because they're gonna have too many good players. But I guess you gotta go for it while you can. But before you go into that another saucy transition, I'm gonna say really quickly: Do you like the fact that fan voting is back? Because this is getting a lot of controversy. I think it's cool. I think you have to like the All Star Game is for the fans at least it should be so it's really not that important let the fans feel involved let them have their say let them support their favorite players like it's not i don't think it's a huge deal to me i, I agree in, in the wise words of john tortorella i don't give a bleep about this yeah this weekend i mean it means absolutely nothing i mean it should be for the fans like yeah. you said um and also what I one thing I like about the NHL All Star Game compared to like the NBA one is when you're talking about like the best players of all time, the number of All Star appearances is almost it, never uh, talked yeah, about because it's not a consequential at all. For some reason in the NBA, like it's oh, this person's a five time All Star. Well, like yeah, it's a he, huge deal. Like LeBron's gonna be an All Star next year if he plays ten games and averages ten points a game. Yeah. You know what I mean? So the fact that um, the All Star Game doesn't matter as much in talking about history. I, I I like the fact that the fan voting is back. It also brings in a couple cool narratives. Like remember the John Scott narrative? That was so funny. Like the fact that 
that is a that was a once in a lifetime thing and there's another now a potential for it like that's not going to happen every year but if it happens once every three it brings a little bit of like um attention to the nhl something to talk about and to the most inconsequential weekend in the nhl season i saw a bunch of house fans on twitter trying to get arbor jack i voted into the (laughs) the all-star game could you imagine wi-fi wi-fi just get him there i think that'd be so funny if he drops the mitts with somebody in the all-star game and just beats the brakes off of them um let's keep going Another team who really doesn't have many all-stars to speak of, except for clearly maybe Eric Carlson this year, mm-hmm. is San Jose. They are in a situation where they're trying to trade anybody who is anybody on that team. Down bad. The name that we've been hearing a lot of lately is Timo Meyer. Mm-hmm. What think, are you thinking there? Well, I'm pretty sure, like you said, um, they're going to trade him because they don't want to sink any more money into long-term yeah. contracts. We've talked about it so much on this podcast that all of those deals are like killing their ability to... Um, to rebuild and now they don't want to go into another one. So he is going to get traded. One of the issues is that I think we were talking about this off air a little bit and apparently word around the street is that the, um, the return for Timo Meyer is going to be considerably less than what Ottawa got for Debrinket, which I mean wow. was a ninth overall pick in a bad draft. And there wasn't much after that. So I mean, Timo Meyer should go for a first, first, round pick. first at least I yeah, feel like first and some, I don't think, it'll, should, yeah. I don't think it'll be too first. He was a point per game player last year. I think this year he's also a point per game and he struggled really hard in the first 15 ish yeah. games. So he's been really good. I think one team that could use him is Calgary. I think that's a, that's a really mm-hmm. good team. First and foremost, they desperately need scoring. And that's something you would not have thought that people would be saying about Calgary considering the year they had last year. They were so offensively good. Yeah. Lindholm took a big step back this year. Huberto has been very, very mediocre at best. Toffoli just isn't what he used to be. For some yeah. reason, Manchapane isn't great anymore. Don't even get me started on him. Nazim Kadri had a great start, but he's no longer unbelievable. There's just yeah. no one on that team. I don't know the NHL word for it, but like in NBA terms, that can like get you a bucket. You know, like there's just yeah. no one that's going to score you a goal. Timo Meyer looks like he's been that guy recently. Also, another thing, Calgary last year at the deadline looked like they were stagnating a bit, and then they got out, they went out and got to Foley, and it looked like that was a spark, mm-hmm. and that was big for them. It ignited that big playoff run i mean they didn't beat edmonton but they on paper they should have and i think this year if they do something similar go get another free agent at the deadline who's honestly a bigger name than tyler to yeah. should probably be a more in fact impactful player gives them the scoring depth it also gives them that big change that spark that they need and who knows like calgary is already in win now we've talked about it they, like are, the they have to be contracts are going to be bad in three years <laughs> you might as well go all in times two yeah yeah i agree um I think Calgary is a good shot if they can find the assets to get him. I I think another important part of a Timo Meyer trade is that after this contract, after this year, he's an RFA. Oh, is he? So he's under team control. True. And so I think this is the perfect time for a market similar to Calgary who has trouble attracting free agents. If you're going to get a guy who's an RFA and under your control, you have a better chance of retaining him. And for me, a team that has... I, you know, and Timo Meyer's entering his prime. He's still young, and if you can lock him up for a long-term contract, he'll be on your team for eight to nine years. If he lives the duration, he lives out the duration of that contract. Um, plays out, lives out. It's kind of cryptic, but plays out the duration of that contract. Part of me honestly wants to say the Sabers. I think really? the Sabers should go go grab him because their top six it's not there. They're on the cusp of a playoff spot. They have games in hand. I think they're they're gonna make a real hard push for it. Timo Meyer definitely improves that top six drastically. And they have a pretty decent pool of prospects to pull from if they want to make a trade, like Jack Quinn, Matt Savoie, who I quite like. Mm-hmm. Peyton Krebs, who's playing on their fourth line now, so maybe not the best 
Devin Levi, who's a really highly touted goalie. I don't think the Sharks would be, you know, averse to, to getting a good young goalie. And again, because nobody wants to play in Buffalo willfully most of the time, <laughs> we have a guy under team control. He plays well, fits in with a guy like Tage Thompson on your first line, even if he plays on your second line. And we have the team control, I think, is important for a city like Buffalo because they're going to be the team that can, you know, make the pitch, give them that eighth year. I think that's important. Agreed. I think that's a great shot. I didn't even think of Buffalo. They're, they fit. He fits that system very well. Like yeah. They're a very young, offensive, dynamic team. Mm-hmm. He would instantly be on that first line. They need winger depth badly. Yeah. That's honestly probably the best spot for him. Yeah. Nice. And Buffalo's not like a true contender. So if I had to pick true contenders, honestly, the Leafs, low-key. The problem is, is that I didn't know that he was an RFA, and they, they won't be able to sign him back. The thing is, you're, you're right, but I wonder if you use the RFA to your advantage and you can trade away his rights and get an asset back maybe down the line. I, I don't know, but that's he'll true. fit on that second line quite nicely with uh, Mitch and Tavares. Oh. Or on a very theoretical basis, which mm-hmm. would be very tough to turn around in an offseason if you know Willie is going to gonna leave. It'd be tough to say, but if you could get Timo on an 8x8 eight eight and mm-hmm. Willie, will, you, you might have Willie? to trade Willie in the offseason for like big money that'd be good asset management and you'd probably be able to get more than what you got for timo meyer and that trade would turn into timo meyer and picks for nothing (laughs) for willie yeah yeah, for for willie Willie, if you think about it that way like yeah honestly for nothing because he's leaving because he's leaving yeah you would have otherwise gotten nothing you're right yeah that's a you know what maybe we need to uh call call dubas after this cinema facts should i buy a meyer Meyer jersey right now could you imagine (laughs) i have i have an unnamed leafs jersey up top (laughs) to make it bet right now if we trade for my i get the i get his name on it fine that's fair okay deal let's do it how about Uh, another player mm. that is young um doesn't want to get signed back um to his respective team and is now looking to be shopped can you can you know who i'm going to be talking about? i think i know who you're talking about talked about him earlier in the show Mm -hmm. what's his name Alexi, yeah, it's been tough. He's gonna get traded. Do you like? Think he's gonna get traded? Is that the the scuttlebutt? Like that's what's happening? I think so. I think it's kind of unfortunate, honestly. He just hasn't developed into the player we all thought he was gonna be mm-hmm. when he was picked first overall. And I remember, I remember, um, like we hadn't watched him very often. Like we don't watch a lot of these World Junior guys, but he went to the World Juniors. I remember he stuck out like really. Um, a lot to you personally, like you thought, and rightfully so, because he looked really, really dynamic. Um, he just hasn't been that guy. Like he hasn't, I don't know what it's been, but he's kind of half a point a game player who just can't get it going. He's stuck on the third line, fourth line sometimes. He got scratched last week. Just, I don't know what's going on there, but it's not looking great. Well, you know what? Michael Bartner put it best on, on TikTok. I watched one of his TikToks about New York, the Rangers, and, and it's true. They are the worst team in the league at developing prospects. Mm. Let's go really recently okay. as, as to their, their 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 picks recently. And I'm only going to talk about first-round picks, mm-hmm. not even second-round. 2021, they drafted Brandon Othman, sixth overall. I have absolutely no he was 16th overall, sorry. Brandon yeah. Othman. Was he good? I don't really... He was okay. He started on the first line, and then Bedard ended up taking over as a first line, like that line with Sankoven and and Joshua. But I don't, you know, I don't know. He's still young. He's got time, but even that pick right now is we in won't question. we won't slide him too much. But yeah. he should probably be in the NHL by now. Next, Lafreniere, first overall in twenty twenty, hasn't turned out to be great. In twenty twenty, they also had the nineteenth overall pick, Brandon Schneider. I have absolutely Brandon no Schneider. clue who that is. He's playing for them, but he's he's a defenseman. Yeah. But. Not as good as you should be. Sure. Right? Next, Capocacco, 2019, second overall. Bad. That's a bad one. Bad. 2018, ninth overall, Kratzov. You know who that is? 
Kravstov, yeah, that, that's been a huge saga for them because he was in Russia, didn't want to come back. There was like huge issues. I think he's with the team now, but they made a huge mess of him. Bad. In 2018, the only one they got right, yeah. Keandre Miller, 22nd overall. It's been really good for them. Yeah, that's one pick in how many we've talked about. Six. And yeah. then in 2018, they also had another first-round pick. They took Niles Lungvist, first, uh, 28th overall. Yeah. He's been up and down. They they just traded him for a first rounder in the offseason oh, to Dallas. That's so the guy that they got they an traded. asset back for him, but they're asked, they, they didn't develop a really promising young defenseman and they had to trade him away. So another one, add him to the list, right? They cannot develop anybody. And by the way, there were a bunch of second round picks that they had, didn't know any of their names, yeah. didn't include them. You cannot say Adam Fox counts as good development because he didn't even draft them. Was not developed, not drafted by them. He went, what, Calgary, Carolina, yeah. and then to New York. And every time he said, don't trade me, I'm not going to play for anyone but New York. Yeah, I mean, they're lucky they play in New York because they got guys like that wanting to go there. I think they have to trade him. Like we said, it was Shane Wright. You either develop players yeah. through minutes or you send them down. Like they, they, you can't send down Alexi Lafreniere, no. first overall pick. Like that's the biggest franchise in the league. Actually, now the second biggest just this year. Um, that just would not look good for the pride of the New York Rangers. No. He doesn't get enough minutes. In 2021, he had 13 and a half minutes. Last year, 13 and a half again. And this year, 14 and a half. There's just not enough to develop a young player like he's always been on the third line last year yep. with that kid line this year he started on the first line for i think 10 games and was taken off i think galant hates him as a player yes. <laughs> he you're just not going to develop a first overall player yep. by playing him on third line minutes he doesn't get the matchups playing against best guys he can't develop he's not playing on a line with talent like you cannot expect a first overall pick or even a first round pick in general to be a playmaking winger like he needs players around him to yep. develop and then he can turn into that He's going to get ruined there. New York wants to win now. I think it's mutually beneficial for the Rangers and for Lafreniere to make a move. I think it, both of them will be better off. Yeah, I agree. I just, for the Rangers now, they've put themselves in a position, they've done this before, where their high, their highly touted prospect is now worth his values at an all-time, potentially at an all-time low. Is it going to get better? That's the that's the thing, right? If you, if you keep them around thinking, oh, we don't want to sell low, well, you might just be selling lower in a year or two. So... I think a change of scenery will help him a lot. Mm -hmm. Give him, send him to a team where he'll be more important. And then maybe if you can get something for him, the Rangers can use that um, those assets to go get someone that'll help him in the, in the now. I think there's a way that everyone benefits from this, but it's not a good look right now. I heard Horvat for Lafreniere is a thought, which I think would work great. He'd be for like included teams. in a trade there. Yeah, yeah, I think it would be great. I mean, Lafreniere in Vancouver would be great because you know the top oh. six isn't unbelievable i feel bad for him going into that mess of a franchise though yeah but he'd get to play with a good center he'd be on the second line for sure he'd get power play one minute yeah. he'd be on a team That's that true. is looking to make a playoff push so it's not at least that the games are going to be well, somewhat meaningful they think they're making playoff pushes in <laughs> vancouver but It'll this year's tough. a write-off already and then another one is honestly you said it like i didn't even have this on my notes but you convinced me buffalo would be a great team for yeah him. that's a good that's a you good would hit too. the top six they're in the, the young developing mode now that coach looks like he's great at developing young yeah, players that's true that would be good that would be good i agree i and, agree get him then, on a team where you can actually play and maybe you'll see him become the player we all expected him to be yeah and then maybe like a fringe fringe outside shot just again i'm gonna throw calgary in there just because they have absolutely no young players, um, they're going to be bad for a really long time after. He would slot in on that second line because there's not much depth mm -hmm. on that second line. And Jonathan Huberto's been quite bad this year. Yeah, because he's going to yeah, he's had a tough year. They could use any scoring help they can get because he has not been it for them so far. I, I honestly don't understand what has happened to Jonathan Huberto this year. But yeah, I mean, he's been pretty mediocre. Him and Uyghur have turned out to be 
yeah, right now, I mean, I don't know if the blame's on them or if the blame is on the system. I don't know if the system can be blamed because we saw people thrive yesterday in that system, but not yesterday, last year, but we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah Gargoyle's a good show. It, it clearly looks like Matthew Kachuk was the better, better player on both sides of that yeah, deal. Yeah, I think we have a pretty good answer about that now. Yeah, I mean, um, if Calgary doesn't win this year or next year, it is going to be. It's going to be tough for that franchise. I, and I, I don't, they haven't shown me anything to suggest that, that they will. So I think they're going to have it. They're going to have it tough. They're going to be bad for like another five, six years after these guys are gone. But hopefully Hubie turns it around for them. I don't know. Okay. And on the note of Jonathan Huberto, right before we finish the episode, we have one more topic after this. We are going to do a would you rather with Jonathan Huberto considering mm-hmm. the year he's had. So I'm going to give you some players and you're going to tell me not even for this year, for the remainder of the year, of their career, are you oh, taking wow. Jonathan Huberto or these guys considering mm-hmm. the year he's had in Calgary? First and foremost, you got to start off with this guy, Jonathan Huberto or Matthew Kachuk. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately for Huberto, this is a no brainer. I'm taking Matthew Kachuk 10 times out of 10. You have to. He's a better player in, in, in the trade and he looks like a top five winger in the league. Next, Jonathan Huberto or the young star studded Tage Thompson? Give me Tage Thompson. Yeah. Well, All day for the rest of his hot. career. 100%. It's crazy how Huberto went from a top five winger in the league last year to just... Yeah, well, he's in his 30s. Tate Thompson is just coming into his best form. He's in his early 20s. Give me that. Here's a better comparison. A young winger, Jason Robertson or Jonathan Huberto. For the same reason, if I'm looking over the rest of their career, over the you know course of their deals that they've respectively signed, I'm, I'm taking Robertson all day again. I think so too. He looks like he's going to be a premier goal scorer. Give me Jason Robertson. Jonathan Huberto or Chris Kreider? That's a tougher one. That's a tougher one. Um, I think maybe I'll take Huberto. I do believe he's better than he's showing to be. And if you were to put Huberto on that New York Rangers team, I think he's back to his normal self. That's a good take. That They shouldn't be comparable. The fact that they are is kind of sad. I think Huberto makes yeah. a comeback next year. Jonathan Huberto or JT Miller? Oh, two long-term contracts. Two mm-hmm. guys who are underperforming. Honestly... JT Miller also had a great season last year, but just everything I've seen in terms of his leadership style, kind of like the way he acts off the ice doesn't seem like the guy that I would want in my locker room. And listen, I only know from what the outside is, but for, for that reason and, you know, his play, I'll take Jonathan Huberto. I'm going to give you two more. I think they should be relatively easy. Okay. Jonathan Huberto or David Pasternak? Oh, give me Pasternak, please. One of the best goal scorers in the NHL. How about Pasternak last year, Jonathan Huberto last year when he was great on Florida? That's a tough one. That is a really tough one. I honestly still lean Pasternak just because he's 45 goals in the bag most years. But that, but both at their best, that's very, very tough. It is tough. Okay, the last one. I think this should be easy for you. Jonathan Hubert or Jack Hughes? Give me Jack Hughes. Yeah. Jack Hughes is kind of my guy now. I have him on fantasy. He's unbelievable. He's young. He's a center. I'll take Jack Hughes for the next 10 years. Give me Jack Hughes as well. Okay. I like it. Um, we're going to end off the episode. Um, first and foremost, we're going to talk about Joe Pavelski. But just before we do, we do this so much. So we're not going to continue to talk about this. I just had a couple quotes that I saw mm. on Instagram regarding the Canucks drama. Okay. And I think it'd just be funny to talk about. Let first, me hear, so, I haven't heard these yet. Just to so. have some therapy for Canucks fans. But also, it's just so funny. Okay. It's just so funny. And all of these are reported from Saravelli, Friedman, Kirio, Friedman, Kyrgios. Like, these are all... Um, like relatively big names that like you can take these comments for what they are. Um, many players it's been quoted in the Canucks locker room were surprised that JT Miller was chosen over Bor Horvat. Um, Me too. There was, 
<laughs> I was as well. There's, I mean, I wasn't surprised with how bad Bo Horvat was last year. They just got so unlucky that they committed to JT Miller, yeah. and then Bo Horvat turned into like an unbelievable first line center of the worst time. But yeah. now you're in this weird drama where like. Bo Horvat's the better player and he's on his way out. JT Miller's pissed off and he's there for eight years. It's a whole mess. It's a mess. Number two, the Vancouver locker room is quote-unquote shell-shocked from how the season has gone. Not only are they losing their captain, they have a um, a first-line center who doesn't really want to be there and the whole room's a mess. I believe it. Shell-shocked is a pretty aggressive word to use, but I, f- I feel like that's the sentiment. It's just like, what has happened? Like, what has happened these past three and a half months to get us to the point where we have no identity everyone hates each other our gm doesn't know what he's doing coaches coming and going like yeah i mean shell shocked is a is, is an aggressive word but i feel like it's a fitting word just given how crazy that season has been and it's like a circus there okay and the last one this one's kind of sad but it's also so funny it was quoted that it, by by an inside source that it's not even sure jt miller wanted to stay in vancouver he just couldn't get paid anywhere else Wow. I mean, I don't think, yeah, I mean, that that was just a weird scenario because there was talks of him getting traded the whole summer. And then they were like, no, we're going to sign him eight by eight. JT Miller doesn't seem like he loves playing in Vancouver. No. Don't get it twisted. He seems every time he talks to the media, he looks like he wants to like square one of them up. Like he doesn't <laughs> seem happy there at all. And he got an opportunity to secure his bag. So yeah, I think he probably just stayed for the money. Which is not what you want in a team in a Canadian market with the pressure, with everything like that. Yeah, I don't think those two were meant for each other. I think there's gonna eventually be. A, he's. I don't think he. I don't think he stays in Vancouver the whole duration of that contract. But he got his money, so good for him in that regard. But yeah, that does not seem like a marriage that's a very happy one. Yeah, there's not much to say. It's just funny. Like they're six in the Pacific, seventeen, eighteen, and three or something. Eight points back of a playoff spot. Like it's possible. It's, it's, it's not, not possible. It's not. No, it's no. Not. they suck. Even if they miraculously no. get in, they'll have to play no. like Vegas or Dallas in in the first round. And they're gonna trade their captain in two and a half months. That's so. true. That's true. You know what's funny? Now that I think about it, I said they're gonna have to play Dallas or Vegas in the first round. What's one team that you thought they would have had to play in round one? If they would have like just Edmonton, no, not even that. The oh. Avs, man. Oh, the Avs. The but Avs are kind of like they're scaring me a bit. They, I think they have valid excuses though because they haven't been healthy all year. McKin- McKinnon's oh, is Linus Cog still out? I think he's still out. McKinnon's back. McKinnon's back. Oh, he just came back last week. You're right. So he's back now. Nachushkin was back. He's out again. Like, he's out again. Yeah, they, they just haven't been able to stay healthy. Take it for what it is, but they're 19, 15, and three right now. They're three points out of a playoff spot. They don't even have a division spot. They're fifth in the central. Like, that's crazy. They'll probably get in. Like, they, they should. But, man, you play a full Stanley Cup, you win it. It's not a good recipe if you want to play another Stanley Cup to have to play a lot of games down the stretch. They're going to have to go through hard teams, but nobody's going to want to play them either. No, nobody's going to want to play them. But if you got to get through a Vegas and then you got to get through an Edmonton, there might not be that much gas left in the tank. And remember, they're not even going to be resting guys in the last 10 games because they're probably going to have to play their way in. Yeah, that is true. We've seen it before, though, where teams that sneak that Colorado's on a team you consider be sneaking into the playoffs, but like a wild card team that has a crazy hot run at the end of March and early April. Like we saw it with the with the um, I got the Kings when they won their second cup. I think it was. Yeah. I think it happens when teams are really good and they find their groove late in the season. They're they're so dangerous. I wouldn't want to face them at all. You know, we even saw it with Edmonton last year to a certain extent. That's right. Yeah, they caught they caught fire and then they, luckily they couldn't be beat. Yeah. Well, we'll end off the episode with 
um, talking about a player on a team that is leading the Central should be the Az, they're, but it's not. They're legit, these guys. Yeah, Dallas, I'm they're still legit. not 100% sold on them. I'm not. I think they're going to be good. But one guy I'm sold on is Joe Pavelski. Signs a one-year, $3.25 million extension. Yeah. Benjamin 3. Button. 3.25, sorry, 3.5 guaranteed and then oh. $2 million in performance bonuses. I didn't catch that the first time around. And then I checked Cap Friendly. It's like similar to like Bergeron where he gets bonuses for playing like 20 games or whatever. Oh. It's just to like kick the, the cap it down the down the line so it gets added next season. It's like kind of interesting to do that. But Is he 40 yet? He's He's 38. That's crazy. 38, and he has 38 points in 40 games. Yeah, he's a point per game this year. And last year, he had, what, 81 points as well? He was unbelievable again last year. He's like the perfect veteran on a yeah, cup, cup contending team. He's got cup final experience. He went with yeah. San Jose that year. Yeah. He's a leader. He's got captain experience. And he's not like a guy like Patrick Marlowe who, or Jason Spezza who you put on your team to make a cup run because they have um, veteran experience. However, they're not great on the ice, and they're yeah. going to get pushed onto the fourth line. Like, this is a leader who's putting up 81 points a game. He's on their first line, one of the best lines in hockey. And he's a, one of the better wingers in the Central. Yeah. How did he not get more money? I mean, he's 38. Yeah, but you couldn't have asked for more term. Like, considering, I, I don't know if there's anyone else in the NHL who brings um, this, like, unique blend of veteran experience and still an ability to play on the first line. I, I just think it would be so... I mean, he could have asked for it. Maybe a team would have given it to him, but I was I read that he was... Um, just like happy, he's just happy in Dallas. He's satisfied with kind of what's going on there. Take it year by year. I, if I was Dallas, I wouldn't want to give him more than a year, obviously, because you just never know, right? These guys can fall off a cliff out of nowhere because he's literally thirty-eight years old. Patrick Marlowe. Patrick Marlowe. Joe Buta with Joe Thornton to a degree too. We see with these guys all the time. He's definitely been the most impressive for his age out of all of those kinds of guys. Mm-hmm. But eventually, Father Time will win. So if you give him anything more than a year, you're risking, you know, having something you don't want it's a bad contract in this time it's not what you want but right now he's just unbelievable he's leads the team in goals four percentage second in course four percentage he's their leader probably he's not like their captain but we can probably assume that he's one of the biggest leaders on that team mm-hmm. he just provides a blend of on off and on ice leadership and quality that it's hard to find i I think Dallas is um, a great landing spot for him to, to play out the rest of his career, and I think he's going to have a big playoffs for them too. Um, I think that's a good way to, to end off the segment sure. and, and the episode. You think Dallas is legit? I think I do. They're, I think they're a first-round exit. Wow. Maybe we'll have a little friendly UFR bet down the road where we— uh, Yeah, we'll have, we'll have a bracket challenge down the road. Loser has to— um, Oh my God. Has to do something fun. Okay. Um, we'll, we'll let Christian decide what the loser does, actually. Yeah, we'll see what it is. But yeah, I think that's a good way to end it off. Thanks for listening. We'll be back. Um, either next week I'll be doing an episode on my own or maybe in a couple of weeks, but we'll figure it out. Any last words? Yeah. No. Um, suck hard for Bedard. Yes, sir. Welcome to the Bedard Show NHL. We will yeah. see you all next week. See you. Thank you for tuning in. This has been the Upon Further Review Podcast. We'll see you all next week.